Welcome to the Prophet's Hour, a broadcast ministry of the Anointed School of Prophets Incorporated and the Prophet's House of Jesus Christ, founder and overseer Dr. Roseanne L. Tolliver. The Prophet's Hour. Praise the Lord, saints. Welcome to this edition of the Prophet's Hour. The broadcast ministry of the Anointed School of Prophets Incorporated and the Prophet's House of Jesus Christ. Founder and overseer, Dr. Roseanne L. Tolliver. First, giving honor to God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also want to give honor to our founder and overseer, Dr. Roseanne L. Tolliver. We certainly thank the Lord for her. And we'd like to begin this edition of the Prophet's Hour with a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, just saying thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we thank you for this Sabbath day. Father, we pray that you be glorified on it and that you have your way. I pray, Father, in, in the name of Jesus, that I may decrease, that you may increase. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that your word have free course and that it accomplish that which you have sent it to do. And all these blessings we ask in your precious son's name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. In this edition of the Prophet's Hour, we are going to begin a new series entitled Secret Sins. Secret Sins. And in this series, we are going to take a look at several accounts in Scripture of the secret sins that were committed, uh, the consequences that followed, and the lessons that we can learn from them in order to avoid uh, falling into what, what the enemy would have us to think are secret sins. Amen. Because because all things are are open and bare unto God. Amen. There's nothing there's nothing hidden from him. Amen. Uh, the, the scripture, the scripture tells us, it says the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. It says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him. With whom we have to do. The scripture tells us that the spirit talking about the Holy Ghost searcheth all things. Yea, the deep things of God. It says he that searcheth the hearts. And knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. The spirit of God searches our hearts. He searches our minds. The scripture says that the darkness hideth not from God. But the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to God. Amen. So he sees everything. He knows everything, both in the natural and spiritual realm. Hallelujah. He knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows our desires. He knows everything. And so there's nothing hidden from God. And so it is a deception of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, to think that anything is hidden from God. There is no such thing. Thank you, Jesus. Certain things are maybe hidden from us, but nothing is hidden from God. Hallelujah. Because he knows all things and his eyes are in every place. And so with that being said, to begin this series, we are going to begin in Acts chapter 5. We're going to take a look at Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to look at the secret sins of Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So here, this is picking up in the early church. Amen. It's not too long uh, before this that Jesus himself had descended back up to heaven. And then after that, on the day of the on the day of Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out upon all flesh and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave utterance. Even in that same day, uh, the apostle Peter arose and preached the first sermon. It says uh, they that that gladly received his word, they were baptized that day and filled with the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. 
And so uh, the scripture goes on to say they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Uh, the scripture goes on to say that they had all things common also. In chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. So all the believers were one. They, were, they walked in unity. Uh, there was no division among them. The scripture says, it says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's what they had. They had unity. They had oneness. It says, and the multitude, multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They shared everything. If one person had it, if one brother or sister in Christ had it, it was as though the other ones had it, especially if there was a need. You know, the scripture tells us, you know, if we see a brother or sister in need and we shut up our bowels of compassion, how dwells the love of God in us? If we see a child of God need something that we have, and we hold it back from them. Where is the love of God that's supposed to be in our hearts? The scripture tells us uh, hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. It is a proof of the Holy Ghost being in us to share what we have, especially when we see a brother or sister who is in need and we have that which that man or woman of God needs so going back to the scripture it says and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul neither said any of them neither said any of them there were no exceptions to this rule neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own no one was too high or too low to be able to hold something back Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. The scripture says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. This, uh, it says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There is a connection between walking in the oneness and the unity of the spirit and the supply of the flow of the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. When we are in the flow of the Holy Ghost, there will be a manifestation of the power of God. When we are walking in order, thank you, Jesus, under submission to authority of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There will then be a manifestation of the power of God. But if we get into rebellion and as a result, cut ourselves off from the supply of the spirit, we should not be surprised if there is then as a result, a lack of the, the function or flow of the Holy Ghost. But going back to the scripture, it says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And then the scripture gives an example of someone who did this. In chapter 4 of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, it says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. This is what he did. It says, Having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this is an example of, of what they did, those who were possessors of houses or lands. So then going into chapter 5, it says, But 
a certain man named Ananias. The word but is signifying a distinction. Here's a distinction. Here's someone that's not going in the flow of the spirit. Here's someone doing his own thing or doing something different from what the Holy Ghost had everybody else doing. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And as a note, we need to we need to take notice when someone does not want to go in the flow of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When they don't want to obey what the Holy Ghost uh, has instructed through the overseer or through those in spiritual authority. Hallelujah. We need to beware and take note. The scripture tells us, mark those which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that we have received. It says mark them. We need to take notice of those who want to cause divisions and, and offenses contrary to the doctrine contrary to the truth of the word of God, which tells us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Amen. In the bond of peace, we need to mark them. And so that's why the scripture does that. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife. And so they were in cahoots together. Obviously, it's a husband and his wife, and they both agreed together to do this thing. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. See, this is where they went wrong. Instead of instead of continuing on in the flow of the Holy Ghost, they decided together to keep back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet so they agreed together to go against the flow of the holy ghost and they agreed together to keep back part of the price of this land and only bring a certain portion but uh, here we're going to see what the holy ghost has to say to them about that through the apostle peter it says in verse three it says but peter said ananias why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? It's interesting here that Peter asks Ananias. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart? He's asking Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart, Ananias? He's asking Peter, the Holy Ghost in Peter is asking Ananias, why has the devil done this thing in your heart? Why? Because the scripture tells us, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. God gives the responsibility to us to keep our heart. So the fact that Satan filled his heart was his fault. It was Ananias' fault for allowing Satan to fill his heart. See, the, 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 see, temptations come. Amen. The word of God says, until the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord tried him. We are going to be tried. Uh, uh, temptations from the enemy will come. Jesus himself was tempted. He was the Lord from glory. Uh, but, you know, the scripture does tell us that God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will also with Every temptation make a way to escape. So although the temptation came, God had provided a way of escape. But this is getting to the first point. Ananias did not resist the temptation. He didn't resist. He didn't resist the temptation. The scripture tells us, it says in, in James chapter 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation." Blessed is a man that endures temptation for when he is tried. Notice the scripture doesn't say if he's tried. It says when he's tried, which means everyone is going to be tried. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And this is how this is one of the ways that we prove when we love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Hallelujah. 
And one of his commandments is obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Hallelujah. For they watch for your souls. So so we prove our love to God when we obey the commandments that he has given us. Uh, the, the, the scripture tells us, it says many men will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man who can find faithfulness has to be found in us when we resist temptation and obey God. And because of this, Ananias did not prove his love for God. Now, he was right there amongst the saints. Hallelujah. He was there breaking bread, going from house to house, just like everyone else. Hallelujah. He sold his land. Amen. But he didn't resist the temptation of the enemy and, and didn't he he failed that test. This is just the, the, the truth about it. He failed that test and, and did not prove uh, his faithfulness. Amen. And did not prove his love. And that's why the scripture says the man who endures temptation, God calls him blessed. Blessed is a man that endured temptation for when he is tried, everyone is going to be tried. We all are going to face temptation. Hallelujah. If Jesus did it, we, he is our forerunner. If he did it, we, we're going to face it also. Amen. But when we endure, we have to know that we are blessed. Hallelujah. God is going to bless us for enduring temptation. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation. The scripture says, talks about how those of us who endured to the end, thank you, Jesus, they are the ones that are going to be saved. Hallelujah. Blessed is a man that endured temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Had he endured this, this temptation, he would have qualified himself for a greater blessing. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says, you know, the, the, the word of God tells us when we are faithful over few things, God will make us ruler over much. But how do we prove our faithfulness is when we endure the temptation. Hallelujah. When we endure the temptation, you know, the word of God tells us, it says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Hallelujah. Ananias could have resisted. Ananias could have resisted. God has given us weapons, hallelujah, to resist the devil with. He's given us weapons. The scripture says the weapons of our warfare. See, we are in a warfare, but the good news is we have weapons. The scripture tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It says bringing captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ananias, at the moment, at the moment that Satan presented the thought to his mind to hold back part of the price of the land, he should have brought that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He should, have, he should have reminded the devil that he is a liar. Hallelujah. And that uh, Ananias was going to obey God. Hallelujah. He should have reminded himself. Uh, he should have reminded himself of the promises of the word of God. That, uh, that God would have rewarded him for his faithfulness. Amen. Ananias should have resisted right at the point of temptation. He should have combated that temptation with the truth of the word of God. And, and, and that would have dispelled or dismantled that temptation from the enemy. It's the same thing that Jesus did. When the devil tempted him, told him to turn the uh, stone into bread. Jesus said, it's, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Boom. Jesus, Jesus counteracted the temptation of the devil with the truth of the word of God. And the devil, had to, the devil couldn't come at him that way. Hallelujah. He had to come at him some other way because he couldn't come at him that way. And so Ananias should have done the same thing. And this is what we, are, this is what we should do also when we face that temptation. Uh, I want to take a look at verse 4. Uh, this is Peter still talking to Ananias in Acts chapter 5, verse 4. 
Peter says to him, he says, Whiles it remained, talking about the land, was it not in thy was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? So he's asking, see, here he is. He's dealing with the heart. He's the Holy Ghost through Peter is talking to Ananias about what has taken place in his heart or in his mind, because it all starts in the mind. Hallelujah. It was a thought in his mind before it became an action. And so he's asking him, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? That's why the scripture tells us, keep our heart means tend to it. Just like we tend to a garden, we pull out the weeds and we fertilize the good things. The good things we fertilize, the bad things we pull out. It's the same thing we're supposed to do in our minds. So, so the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Peter is asking him, why have you conceived this thing in our heart? The word conceive, one of the definitions of conceive, it says to receive into the womb and breed to begin the formation of the embryo or fetus of an animal. Now this is symbolic for what took place in the mind of Ananias. First, it's the definition of conceive, to receive into the womb. Ananias received a thought from Satan into the womb of his mind. He received a thought into the womb of his heart. And then, and then it says, and breed, hallelujah, he allowed this thought to breed, to germinate, and to begin the formation of the embryo or fetus of an animal. In other words, to begin the formation of an action. To begin the formation of a plan to carry out uh, the work of Satan. He allowed his mind to be used by the devil. See, a spirit needs a body. Hallelujah. And the devil used Ananias' heart and mind to then control his body to carry out the plans of the devil. This, this is why we have to keep our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Jesus, so that we don't allow our bodies to be used by the devil. Amen. So this is why the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Peter asked Ananias, why hast thou conceived this thing this thing, this, this embryo, the formation of an embryo or fetus, why have you conceived this thing in your heart or in your mind? Why have you allowed the devil to carry this evil thought so far? Why have you allowed it to become a plan? Why have you allowed it to become a course of action? Don't you see how the devil is trying to work out his plan right through your mind and then through your body? Why have you conceived it? Why are you allowing it to take place? Why are you entertaining the thoughts of the devil? Why are you letting the devil make plans in your mind as to how he wants to carry out his actions and his will? This is what the Holy Ghost is asking him. The Holy Ghost is really dealing with Ananias about his heart, about his mind. Because God searches our hearts and minds. The scripture says God does not even look on the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And so here in this, the Holy Ghost is addressing Ananias for, for his heart, for the condition of his heart. And the state of his heart. And this is why it's so important to not allow Satan to fill our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. This is why we have to stay full of the word and the truth of God. This is why we've got to, like Jesus, like Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Jesus said his word. He says, my word. Talking about the word of God, his word. He says they are spirit and they are life. And we have to be aware of what we allow to feed our spirits. Amen. Are we being, are we feeding on the truth of God's word, which is spirit and life? Or are we feeding on the lies of the enemy, which will then produce sin and as a result, death? The scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Are we feeding on life or are we feeding on death? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Hallelujah. Are we feeding on life or are we feeding on death? Ananias fed on death. 
and um, it resulted in his natural death. Amen. So uh, back in verse, back in verse four of Acts chapter five, it says, Peter, the Holy Ghost through Peter is addressing Ananias. And he asked him, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Even in the natural conception requires a seed. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing is conceived without a seed. And so in the definition, the first definition of conceive, it says to receive into the womb and breed. To begin the formation of the embryo or fetus of an animal. So what was received into the womb of Ananias' heart and mind was a seed from Satan. In other words, his ungodly plan, his ungodly thoughts, the ungodly imaginations, whatever it was that the devil attempted to plant into the mind of Ananias, he went wrong when he received it and allowed it to breed. Hallelujah. He should have, he should have rebuked it with the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. He should have immediately combated it and fought against it to not allow this evil thing to be conceived or formed in his mind. And we've got to do the same thing. Amen. So going back, he says, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So now the Holy Ghost had to, had to bust his bubble, so to speak, and let him know what you did was not against men. It was against God. It came into direct opposition to the work of the Holy Ghost. He came directly against the work of God. And as a result, in verse 5 it says, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, which means he died immediately at that point. And the scripture says, And great fear came on all them that heard these things. So, First thing, the first thing that they did, that went wrong with Ananias and Sapphira was that Ananias did not resist temptation. He did not resist the temptation of the enemy. I want to make a second point, a second point, a second thing that Ananias and Sapphira did wrong, a second area in which they went wrong was second, Sapphira did not correct Ananias. She should have corrected him. She should have rebuked him. She should have, in a manner that is still honoring to her husband, in a manner that would not demean him, uh, she should have still recognized that this plan that, that he had conceived in his mind was of the enemy. And she should have, as respectfully as possible, said, no, Ananias, let's, let's pray about it. Amen. She could have said, listen, let's pray about it. Uh, let's talk to Apostle Peter about it. Let's, let's call on some folks and, and, and get some counsel about this or something. Let's see what the word of God has to say about it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know let's, let's, she should have said, look, we're we either going to do it all the way or we're not going to do it at all. Hallelujah. She said, let's not lie to the Holy Ghost. She should have intervened some kind of way between the two of them, between Ananias and Sapphira. At least one of them should have had enough Holy Ghost sense to say, hold up. This is not uh, right. Thank you, Jesus. Some integrity should have kicked in between the two of them. First of all, both of them were a part of the church. Amen. Both of them were uh, in the congregation of the saints. Hallelujah. So one of them, uh, they were they were under the word of God. They were under the word of God being preached by the apostle Peter, who did walk and talk with Jesus during his earthly ministry. He was not far removed from walking with the Lord of glory. The apostle Peter was one of them that went with him to the Mount of Transfiguration. Hallelujah. I mean, he would walk through the streets in his shadow, 
would heal those who were sick. Hallelujah. They were under the anointing, in other words. So one of them between Ananias and Sapphira, if Ananias got wrong in his mind, Sapphira should have had enough presence of the Holy Ghost, presence of the Spirit of the Lord to say, ah, that doesn't sound right. I don't know. That's not right, Ananias. Maybe we, maybe, maybe we need to pray about this. Or, or consider uh, doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Just because Ananias was her husband, that did not give her the right or excuse to disobey God. She could not have used the excuse of wanting to submit or obey her husband. You know, the word of God tells us, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. It says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. If anything, just to keep herself pure, she should not have agreed together with him. If she had any Holy Ghost sense, hallelujah, any ability to recognize right from wrong, she should have said no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of it. She should have told him he was wrong. Hallelujah. The word of God tells, I mean, as, as her wife, she is his helpmeet. And the word of God says, two are better than one. It says, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. If Ananias was the one that fell into the trap or the snare of the enemy, then, then, then Sapphira could have been there to lift him up and say, no, we, we, are we have a higher calling than that. God has called us to walk in integrity and to walk in honesty. Hallelujah. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, it says, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. Hallelujah. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If one prevail against him, if the devil has prevailed against the heart and mind of a spouse, then that other spouse should come in and, and, and work to fight against the works of the enemy. This goes whether it's a husband with a wife or a wife with a husband, a brother with a sister, any two saints in Christ. Hallelujah. If we see our brother uh, or sister in Christ, if we see where the enemy may have deceived them, it is our obligation. It's our responsibility. Hallelujah. To assist that brother. What or what? What better thing for us to try and um, lift our brother or sister out of the snare of the enemy? The word of God tells us, it says, brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. In a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of meekness, that's what the scripture says. Try and help your brother or sister be like, listen, let's pray about this. You know what? Let's let's talk to somebody else about this. Let's see what the word of God has to say. They had other brothers and sisters in Christ at their disposal. They had the word of God at their disposal. They had the apostle Peter and the other apostles there at their disposal. They could have called upon. Sapphira could have called upon to help set Ananias back in order to recover him from the snare of the enemy. Okay. A third way, a third fault, a third way. Well, before we get to that third way, there are some examples in the scripture of spouses, whether it be a husband or a wife, in which if the husband got off track or if, he, if his mind got in a wrong direction, God used the spouse or someone else to help redirect that person back into the perfect or right way of God. There's an example of Pilate and his wife. In Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to look at verse 19 and also want to look at verse 24. When Jesus is before Pilate, it says, When he, talking about Pilate, was set down on the judgment seat, 
his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. God gave Pilate's wife a dream. In this dream, God revealed to her that Jesus was a just man. Now, Pilate had also uh, perceived that also that Jesus was just. But because the word of God tells us at the word of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God sent a confirmation even through his wife to Pilate to let him know Jesus was a just man. And as a result, you need to have nothing to do with him. So what does Pilate do? In verse 24, it says, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Pilate made a point to wash his hands before the people and to cleanse himself of the guilt of that innocent blood. He says, I am not responsible for this. I will not partake in another man's sins. He wasn't even of the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. But he still recognized that Jesus was just. He didn't want to be a partaker of that sin. So he washed his hands clean of the matter. And God used his wife to send message to him to warn him. Don't have anything to do with that just man. This is what Sapphira could have done. We have another example in scripture of the advice of a wife. 1 Samuel chapter 25. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, we see David, we see Nabal, and we see his wife Abigail. And to summarize... What happens is David and his men are out in the field. David sends men to ask Nabal. Nabal is rich. He's a wealthy person. He asks him if he could spare him some bread to feed his men. Nabal disrespects David. He disrespects David and his request. And as a result, David is angry. David tells his men to get your swords. And David is about to come against uh, the men of Nabal. Word gets to Abigail. Abigail is Nabal's wife. The scripture says about Abigail that she is of a good understanding. Thank God for a wife of good understanding. And when David is on his way to kill Nabal and his men, Abigail prepares the things, the food and things that, that David requests. She sends them before and then she herself goes out to meet David. So 1 Samuel chapter 25 we're going to look at a few verses. Verse 18, first of all. Verse 18, it says, Then Abigail, so this is when the report came to Abigail, the request that David made, Nabal's response. It says, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisin and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. She put them on donkeys and she said unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. She had some wisdom. She ended up saving Nabal's life and saving the lives of a lot of people. But she goes on. She encounters David and listen to what she says to David. First Samuel chapter 25, beginning at verse 23. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Up on me. Look at this spirit of meekness. Here we go. What the scripture says in the spirit of meekness, she humbled herself before him. And in the spirit of meekness, she is about to give some godly counsel to him and fell at his feet and said, Up on me, my Lord. Upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, 
For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. She goes on to say in verse 32 and 33, she says, no, this is what David says. So she has this uh, conversation with David. She tells him, listen, don't do this thing. Listen to what David says concerning the advice that Abigail gives him. Verse 32, it says, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to me, and blessed be thy advice. Now David had enough sense to realize that the advice that Abigail gave him was from the Lord. And he says, Blessed be thy advice. Hallelujah. Blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. David even acknowledged the sin that he was about to do if it were not for the advice of Abigail. The scripture says, Vengeance belongs to the Lord, I will repay. David was about to take vengeance himself, but because of the godly advice of Abigail, he turned from that bad decision he was about to make. He even says, For in very deed as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely... There had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. David was about to commit murder. Hallelujah. But thank God for Abigail who came, gave him some godly advice and turned him from the sin that he was about to do. Going back to Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira could have done the same thing. She could have done that. For Ananias and turn him away from doing that which the enemy had planted in his mind to do but she did not do that and this is the same thing that we should do for one another we need to allow God to use us to help turn our brothers and sisters in Christ from doing something that would not be pleasing to God she as being his wife was in perfect and prime position to be able to intervene against the plans of the enemy when she was made known aware of it. Because Nabal himself did not recognize it was from the enemy because he did not resist. Now God had already had in place uh, a, second, a second person, a second uh, manner of resistance to be able to potentially counteract the plans of the enemy. Um, but that didn't happen. Instead, she agreed with him. She conspired together with him. And so that brings us to a third area or a third point in which Ananias and Sapphira both failed. It says, third, their agreement together. The fact that they agreed together, it resulted in the manifestation of a mutiny against God. Their agreement together resulted in a mutiny, a revolt in opposition to the instructions of the Holy Ghost. The word mutiny, the definition of the word mutiny, according to Webster's Dictionary, it is an insurrection, which is a rising against authority. An insurrection or rising against authority of soldiers against the authority of their commanders. A mutiny is an open resistance of officers or opposition to their authority. A mutiny is the act of numbers. So when it pertains to Ananias and Sapphira, they rose against, they allowed the enemy, they allowed the devil to work in and through them to rise against the authority of the Holy Ghost when he, when he had all of them uh, selling either the houses or the lands and, bring all, and bringing all the price of it 
to lay at the apostles' feet. They came against that authority or instruction of the Holy Ghost. They allowed the devil to operate through them to do that. And their agreement caused a mutiny. Another aspect of the definition of the word mutiny, it says any concealment of mutinous acts or neglect to attempt a suppression of them is declared also to be a mutiny. So it wasn't just the acts that they did that is considered a mutiny, but a fact that there was a concealment. They tried to hide it. A concealment of the munitious act, or this is where Sapphira went wrong, and neglect to attempt a suppression of them. She did not even try to stop him. She did not try to, to prevent him from doing this. She, she didn't recognize that it was the work of Satan, uh, or she may have, hallelujah, but she didn't try to stop it. She didn't resist the devil. And because of that, this is also declared to be a mutiny. And this is why the word of God tells us not to be a partaker of other men's sins. This is why the word of God tells us uh, when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. She broke the word of God there. She consented to it. The word of God tells us if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It doesn't matter if it's a husband or a wife. We don't agree with sin. Hallelujah. We don't come into agreement with the plans of the devil. We resist it no matter who it is. The Apostle Paul, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. But if he's not following Christ, then, then, then we are not under obligation to follow him if he's not following Christ. Same thing with Sapphira and Ananias. Hallelujah. Although Ananias being the husband is the head of the wife, Christ is head of the husband. And so if that husband is not following Christ, then because he's not following Christ, Sapphira doesn't have to, 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 to obey that ungodly uh, plan. She was supposed to be in there to try and prevent that from happening. But she didn't do that. We even have an example when Moses was supposed to circumcise his son and he didn't do it. Thank God for Zipporah circumcised the son and, and prevented Moses from, from being killed. She should, uh, Sapphira, should have, have went to work in there to try and prevent the works of the devil from being manifested. And because she didn't, but instead agreed with him, this is why this is also considered to be a mutiny. The word of God tells us, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or, or of obedience unto righteousness. In other words, there is no gray area. Hallelujah. We either serve the Lord Jesus Christ or we serve the enemy, the devil. And it is determined by our actions. Because Ananias yielded, he yielded himself servants to the enemy because he yielded to the thoughts and plans of the enemy. That's why, that's why the Holy Ghost through Peter said, why did you conceive this thing in your heart? Because he yielded to the plans because he conceived the seed of, of the enemy because the seed of the enemy was allowed to take root and conceive in his heart it gave birth or the formation hallelujah of the plans of the devil he became a servant of the enemy by allowing the enemy's thoughts to be conceived into his mind the thought became a plan or a course of action and he yielded to it and he acted it out he became a servant of the devil in the midst of the church in the midst of the body of Christ. And then his wife agreed with him. She was with him in the plan. And so now, because they agreed together, they enacted another law of agreement. The scripture says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Because she agreed with her husband in that thing, they actually agreed with the devil. They came into agreement with the enemy. 
by not resisting the enemy, they came into agreement with him and thus became vessels to carry out his plan. He had enacted a, a mutiny, a, a kingdom, if you will, a kingdom of darkness at work in the midst of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. That's why God had to destroy it. That's why the Holy Ghost had to destroy them. It was, it was more than just the fact that, that they did this thing that was not pleasing. It was the formation of the king of a, of a, of a it was a manifestation of the kingdom of darkness trying to, to, to plant itself in the kingdom of God. It was more spiritual than natural and God had to destroy it. Jesus told Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A gate is a point of access. It's an entryway. And that was a gate because they didn't resist the devil. A gate had been manifested, a point of access by which they were now obeying the devil and it had to be destroyed because the gates of hell could not be allowed uh, to prevail against the work of the Holy Ghost. The gates of hell could not be allowed to prevail against what God was doing in and amongst the body of Christ. And so this is where they went wrong. Their agreement and their walking and working together promoted and propelled the agenda of the kingdom of darkness and it introduced division into the kingdom of God and the house of God and that's why God had to eliminate it that's why God had to eliminate it so how do we avoid falling into these pitfalls how do we avoid how do we keep and maintain the victory in these areas? Well, in one place, the scripture tells us, it says, pray that you enter not into temptation. The word of God tells us, pray that you enter not into temptation. When the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. He told them, he gave them a guideline for prayer. A lot of people call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer. It's the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then it says, and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Hallelujah. We have to pray. Hallelujah. That we would be led not into temptation. And we have to ask God to deliver us from evil. We have to ask God deliver us from the plans of the enemy. The deliver us. Hallelujah. From walking after the temptation uh, uh, that the enemy pulls on. Deliver us from walking after the lust of our own flesh. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If we can humbly acknowledge our own weaknesses and the lusts of our flesh, hallelujah, are those members that war against us in our flesh. When we can humbly acknowledge those to God, then God has grace to keep us. God is our keeper. The Holy Ghost is our keeper. As the scripture says, unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Hallelujah. We've got to pray to God and ask him, Lord, keep me from falling. Keep me from falling. Give me grace in these areas of my weakness. And we've got to be able to acknowledge that there are weaknesses in our flesh. Jesus said, they that behold need not a physician. If we dare think that we have it all together, that, that we don't need any help, then we are already deceived. Hallelujah. As the word of God said, the truth is not in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, they that behold need not a physician. Hallelujah. I dare not ever think that I have come to a place where I don't need the physician. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We all need God. The Lord said, without me, you can do nothing. The scripture tells us it's not by might nor by strength, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. We need the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus said, after that the Holy Ghost has come, you shall have power. Hallelujah. It is our power over the enemy. The Holy Ghost is our power over the enemy. That's why David said, I'll go in the strength of the Lord God. We in our own selves do not have the power to resist the enemy. It is the power of God. Hallelujah. That is able to withstand and resist the enemy. Hallelujah. So prayer and relying on the power of God will help keep us from falling into these temptations and snares of the enemy. Another way. Another way in order to have the victory in these three areas, another way to have and gain and keep and hold the, the victory from, from falling in these areas that Ananias and Sapphira fell in is to have people around us who will correct us. Hallelujah. To have people around us who can, who can correct. The scripture says, you know, when we are chastened of the Lord, it's because God deals with us as sons. You know, there's a verse of scripture that says better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. A real friend will tell you the truth, even if it hurts. A real friend is not afraid to hurt your feelings if it's for your good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But a real enemy, hallelujah, will not tell you the truth. A real enemy will be soft to you when they need to tell you the truth. Hallelujah. The scripture talks about those who favor our righteous cause. Someone who favors your righteous cause, they'll tell you the truth for the sake of saving your soul. Because they don't want to see you fall into the snare of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But an enemy, you know, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Hallelujah. And so we need to make sure we have real friends who will tell us the truth. Who will hold us, uh, hold us up to the standard of the word of God. And if they see the enemy coming at us, they will warn us. They will open their mouth and they will tell us the truth to keep us from falling. A real friend has your back. Hallelujah. And will, and will warn you if he sees the enemy coming. Hallelujah. You know... Ananias and Sapphira could have gone to their overseer. They could have gone to the Apostle Peter. They could have just been open and honest and said, you know what, Apostle, we are struggling in this thing. The enemy is trying to tempt us to hold back part of the price of the land. They could have acknowledged to God and God would have given them grace. There was a man that had a son he went to Jesus and was like, Lord, if you can heal him, will you please heal my son? Jesus responded to him like, if I can do it, he says, anything is possible to you if you can believe. The man acknowledged to Jesus. He says, Lord, I do believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He acknowledged that he did believe in Jesus and he also acknowledged that he dealt with some unbelief. If we could just be honest to God, God says he desires truth in the inward part. Hallelujah. He wants us to be honest with him. If Ananias and Sapphira could have just openly, honestly acknowledged to, to uh, Peter, James, any of the apostles then, um, acknowledge to them what they were dealing with, what they were struggling with, then God, by the Holy Ghost, could have helped them, could have strengthened them. The scripture says, judge yourselves lest ye be judged. Had they came to him and acknowledged this is where the enemy was tempting them, then God could have given them grace, hallelujah, and given them the victory over the temptation. But because they conceived the thing in their hearts and then went about to carry out the plans of the enemy, then the Holy Ghost had to, had to bust them out, so to speak, and come at them a whole different way. Hallelujah, they had a space uh, God had given them a space of time to acknowledge, to repent, to tell the truth because God had grace for them. The scripture says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. They had all the time in the world to be able to come to God and ask them and ask God for help. But instead, they did not do that. 
And Peter even gave Sapphira the opportunity to acknowledge right then and tell the truth. But because she also had agreed with Ananias, because Sapphira had also agreed with Ananias, she continued on in the same lie when Peter asked her. And as a result, she suffered the same consequence. It says this uh, going back to Acts chapter 5. She was given the same she was given an opportunity to come clean. She was given an opportunity to tell the truth and instead she desired to lie. Um, It says in Acts chapter 5 verse 7 this is after uh, Ananias had already fell dead for lying to the Holy Ghost. Uh, In Acts chapter 5 verse 7 it says and it was about the space of three hours after so three hours later When his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. So he asked her, Did you sell the land for this much? She had a space of time right then to tell that God was giving her another chance to tell the truth. At that point, she could have been like, Well, you know what, Apostle, to tell you the truth, um, I know we said this much, but actually... No, no, sir, that we didn't sell it. We lied, and I'm so sorry, and I repent, and I, I don't know why I lied, but I'm just telling the truth, I lied. She, she had an opportunity to tell the truth, acknowledge, repent, get grace, get forgiveness from God. Um, you know, the scripture tells us, he who covereth his sins shall not prosper. She had the opportunity to uncover the devil, to uncover herself, to come clean, and to call on grace, hallelujah, to call on God, to forgive her, hallelujah, and help her in that weakness. But she didn't do it. It says, and it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. She continued right on in that lie. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth buried her by her husband she agreed together with her husband as a result they both ended up falling dead they both had been given a space of time and opportunity to come clean to repent to acknowledge to ask for grace hallelujah to ask for help the scripture tells us we can come boldly unto the throne of grace to ask for help And mercy, a grace in our time of need. And they did not take that opportunity. But this is what we, as the saints of God, as the brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what we have to do. Hallelujah. God has grace for us. He has grace for us to endure temptation. It is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But we have got to prove our faithfulness to God. Hallelujah. And God has given us grace. He's given us everything we need. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Even with every temptation, God has given us a way of escape. We can escape the temptations of the enemy. But we've got to keep our hearts. Hallelujah. We've got to surround ourselves with people who will tell us the truth. We've got to feed on the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. We've got to listen to and obey and submit ourselves to those whom God has sent. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we cannot allow the seeds of the enemy to be conceived in our hearts and in our minds. Hallelujah. These are just a few keys to help us to to keep and maintain the victory. Hallelujah. To not fall victim to to the deception of the enemy in holding on to secret sins. 
And with that being said, we're going to close out this edition of the Prophet's Hour with a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the deliverance of your word. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would receive your word. And we pray, Lord, that your word would bring forth fruit 30, 60, even 100-fold, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you for grace. Hallelujah. And we ask you to give us grace. Hallelujah. To overcome the temptations of the enemy. In the precious and holy and mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In the strong name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless.